Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Security and Secure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. Well, this week it's two special guests as my guests today were the first celebrities I ever interviewed when I was 11 years old on Blue Peter. They met in the night building of Television Centre where after hosting the continuity on CBBC, they came together to change weekend mornings forever when they started shouting bogeys on their bungalow. Since then, they've been game show hosts, DJs and are back on tour around the UK this autumn to celebrate 20 years to the day since they moved into that bungalow. With a massive thanks to Smart Energy for setting up this interview, I'm delighted to welcome to Sakini Dick and Dom. Hello, guys. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Good to see you and see you again. The first time I met you, I was nine or ten years old on Blue Peter and I gunged you. And I remember asking you a question and it was such a long question. Everyone's like, how can I <laughs> What was the question? question? I think it was something like, because I remember you, Dom, doing Animal Magic. I think that's what it was called. <gasps> My goodness, yeah. that's going way back. That's 1997, 1997, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, because I think I got into CBBC just after. This is how sad it is. Where it used to be called Children's BBC, and then they made it CBBC, mm. and they put in like the mouse and the snail idents. Do you remember this? It was like, <laughs> yes, you know more about it than we do. That's of course, what I we do. I remember Rich, you with Kirsten O'Brien, who I've got to know over the years, yeah. a lot better now. And then I remember you two coming together. And I think the question was something like, "You've hosted things separately. What's it like to work together?" Or something weird like that. And I remember mm. it was too high for the time to ask on TV, but now I can ask it as a 29, 30 year old. <laughs> So what, how did we come together to come to work together? Well, I suppose we were we were still working um, but set, as separate presenters, but together on the same channel. So we were both working for CBBC, the bits in between the programmes. Uh, but during that time, we became really good friends um, and we lived together in various house shares. And then uh, a boss of ours recognised that we were working really well. And we had this kind of chemistry that some producers work really hard to try and recreate. And it was naturally there. And there was a, a props guy working there called Les and he used to call us Dick and Dom and then it just organically happened they said do you want to be a double like called Dick and Dom and I remember talking to I think it was Steve Wilson years and years ago he used to, he used to hang out with you guys yeah and just go around television center because for those that don't know you had a little building to the side of the Blue Peter Garden yeah quite isolated but in that big donor of television center at the time you had Top of the Pops you had Blue Peter you had all these amazing studios amazing people what was life actually like working at the time 
Well, like a lot of people say, it was like the Hollywood of uh, of the UK. I mean, like you say, it was just amazing. Every day there was just a different massive TV show on different pop stars, you know, royalty, uh, loads of A-list celebrities, famous people everywhere. Oh, I mean, the atmosphere was just incredible, wasn't it? It, it literally was. Working there was a dream come true. And I actually, we've got to be honest, since it was sold off and since we stopped working there regularly, it's been a very different career that we have now. It's it's lost that kind of heartbeat that it used to have, and that, that raison d'etre. And, and ever since, like you, Johnny, since we were children, we, we imagined what it was like to work in that building and working in that building with Steve Wilson, with Kirsten, with all those people, it was exactly as we hoped it would be and more. That's amazing. And because there's a whole generation of people now who work in the media, who only work in the media because of what you guys did. You know, we, you know we, oh yeah, the, the amount of people who are, you know, late 20s, early 30s who mm. work in the media is purely down to CBBC because what you guys did in those links in you know, I remember when it was the broom cupboard and it was 30 seconds, What uh, when it was the Philip Schofield days. When you, yeah. it, you had links which were like six, ten minutes. Yeah. They were as important as the shows that were going out themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why we got into uh, Kick Doing Kids TV because we used to watch the broom cupboard like Philip Schofield and Andy Peters and such like. So, yeah, I understand what you mean now. People used to watch us, we forget, and that's why they got their interest in being in the media. I think things are changing now in that um, kids are now watching YouTubers. And it's not a bad thing, it's just a different thing. Um, kids are now watching YouTubers and now they are wanting to be YouTubers. I mean, the, di the big difference in the two is that if you become a YouTuber now, you're in control of your own destiny. You don't have to rely on other people making yeah. the decision about whether you're going to work or not. Social media, YouTube, TikTok, Insta is all the broom cupboard, as we called it, of the now, isn't it? You know, you're like you look at Dan TDM, right? Uh, oh, yeah, Michael, yeah. One of the most successful. Yeah, it's like the uh, broadcaster. Like oh, yeah. He sits there, right? And he's really good and he knows his audience. And that is the secret to any broadcaster know your audience. And he sits there with the microphone in front of him. Uh, and the, the, the camera shot is no wider than the broom cupboard used to be. And he talks directly to the viewer, as Philip Scofield used to do with us. And um, it's just a different way of broadcasting. And it reaches more people and they earn more money. But it's a different beast, and you're right. The way that social media is going is one thing, and it's all about being influencers. But in our day, there was no such thing as influencers. It was know. very much about you are the presenter. Yes, we idolised you, but we also had a way that we would switch off. You would do your links. We know that Grange Hill or News on a Blue Peter was important, yeah. but we didn't purposely watch it because you guys said it's coming up next. Whereas now of YouTube, it's very much... If they say something, you follow it. A lot of content has a kind of an ulterior uh, objective connected to it, which is like monetizing brands. Um, whereas, well, what we were doing, we were just really enjoyed presenting to the audience that we're presenting to. And, and it was really sweet because we used to get a lot of people, when we were doing, back in those days, in the early 2000s or late 90s, um, we used to get a lot of kids thinking that we were like an older brother role to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I thought was a really lovely thing to hear. They looked up to you. But also in those days, and we're kind of seeing it now in Channel 4 of the Big Breakfast on a Saturday. Yeah. It's so rare now, and what Chris Moores does on Radio 1 and then on Radio X is that zoo magazine format where you want to be part of the family. You know, the crew is as, as important as the guys on air. And, you know, your puppets, when you always had a puppet that came along. And then obviously what you did in the bungalow with all the extras like Melvin O'Doom, et cetera, they are as important as to what you guys are. And also it's that silliness, that Big Brother vibe we're feeding off of because we want that funniness. We want the innuendos. Even if we don't understand at the age, it's kind of TV for everyone. It's panto, isn't it? 
Yeah, no, exactly. I think if we were in charge, we'd be putting more and more of that Zoo TV stuff back on. But, you know, do I think the audience want it. If there was a Saturday morning show these days, I think they'd go, yeah, we're up for this. And they'd, they'd be watching it, you know, like you're saying, the big breakfast coming back, that's worked. But for some reason, TV people, bosses, think it's not in vogue anymore and, and no one wants to watch those kind of programmes, sadly. But what happens to guys... So we're going to talk about it later, but you're going on tour. Mm, yeah. Not 20 years of the bungalow. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a massive audience for that. Surely there has to be something afterwards that you then go to that's back on TV. You know, we've got BBC Three online. You've got online content now. Surely there has to be a home somewhere, even if it's ITV2 or E4, that you can do what you used to do because that yeah. has grown up and they want that stuff now. We Johnny, want- when are you going to be in charge of ITV2 or E4? Once you are, get us well, on it. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You joke. Who's the commissioner of ITV Entertainment now? Joe. You guys replaced when the Saturday show was on uh, BBC yeah. One. You guys replaced. You've got that contact there, and he yeah. knows how good you two are. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of people that we have got contacts with. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's a very natural process. So, you know, we can try and knock on doors and bang down the doors and go, hey, listen, people used to love what we did back in the bungalow. Let's try and do something. But kind of people know where we are. And until someone one wants to take a risk, I suppose you say these days, and, and get us back on, then it will just naturally happen. But I think in terms of us making the first move, there's a, a big difference between pushing yourself and then just kind of looking desperately, trying to get back on telly. So we're happy to go and kind of do the tour, do all the big DJ gigs that we do all over the UK. And if something comes of it, great. But I think for now, our main focus is making sure that the tour is right and making sure that everyone's nostalgia ticks a hit and then creating a big fuss about that. So mentally, how do you kind of process that? Because... It's interesting when you get that fame, you're on TV, you're in demand, you're doing Saturday mornings on the BBC channel, it then goes to BBC One and everyone moves over there. So you've had for years the live and kicking Saturday shows, which are big, shiny floor entertainment shows with big live bands coming in. Suddenly you've got SMTV in one corner on ITV, but you guys are on BBC One primetime on a Saturday morning. Mm. To go from that to CBBC to then what you guys did afterwards, how do you mentally stay same through the industry when there are so many people coming in and out all the time as well oh, it was difficult you've hit it on the head there johnny definitely it's di- it is difficult in this industry isn't it because you can one minute be up there doing that and the next minute you can be right down at the bottom doing nothing so yeah we've had our highs and lows but i suppose now i think we've come to last year we celebrated 25 years of being mates in a double act this year we're celebrating 20 years of the bungalow and i think those two things have kind of humbled us a bit and made us realize that we've had a long career and we've had some massive highs and some massive lows, but we've enjoyed every single moment of it and we're happy where we are now. So we're lucky because we've got to a point now where we're just kind of happy. We don't need to try and prove ourselves anymore or say, oh, this is what we could do or we can do because we've kind of done it. And everyone, luckily, everyone's enjoyed it, enjoyed the ride with us. And uh, there's there's a great bit of advice that we were given once, which was, it's hard to get in the business. It's even harder to stay in the business. And that is absolutely true. Because, uh, you know, we, we watch lots of people coming and going, coming and going. I think, and what we've tried to do is keep reinventing yourself, you know, keeping your brand that everyone knows and loves, but you've got to keep reinventing. You can't keep just stay, doing the same old stuff. Yeah, I mean, if we just carried on playing bogeys forever, you know, and still doing it on social media now, you know, that's just the same thing we've been doing, you know. I mean, everyone will always remember bogeys, obviously. But we've tried to do, you know, new things. We've tried a couple of podcasts out that didn't really work, but we had a go. Uh, we've done some DJing, which is taking off now, which is great. You know, we like, yeah, we like to do a fun. Watch the nap. Watch the nap. work either. <laughs> 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 now we've had a good time. It's, it's in, I watched the, uh, I don't know if you watched the Noel Edmonds documentary on Channel 5 recently. No, I want to watch that. I'm going to watch it back. Yeah, I haven't it, seen it. 
It's really interesting. And mm. uh, I was too young at the time, but it's interesting because obviously he thought he was bigger than the BBC. Never do that. After house party, and it's hard to climb back. And you're right, you have to diversify. That is yeah. the only way to stay in the industry, but you've got your platform and you've got your following that will come with you as you dive. Yeah. That's as important as having that big platform in the first place. Well, we decided um, only a few years ago that we were going to, instead of trying to target the new audiences of that same age group that keep coming through, we thought, right, we've got our, our main age group is the bungalow uh, generation, or your generation as well, slightly before bungalow. And let's grow with the audience. Let's stay with the audience and just grow with them, which is where all the DJing suddenly kicked in. And we suddenly started doing these big DJ gigs um, in clubs and in festivals for the bungalow kids who are now in there between 18 and 30, 35. And the places were going absolutely crazy. I think it's because they don't expect it. You imagine, right, you're looking at the lineup, you've got all the top DJs, Camel Fat, la la la, and down at the bottom, you've got Dick and Dumb, and everyone goes, Dick and Dumb, what are they going to do? You know, they think we're going to turn up and play the bungalow theme tune. But actually, we start dropping hard drum and bass and stuff and have a massive party with them, and they think it's the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, we did at Boomtown this year, uh, which is absolute carnage. We opened the main stage, and that was great. And we, we like, recently, we were doing. Um, big festival which is on Alex James from Blur's Farm and we were DJing in the Cheese Hub alongside names like Jeremy Healy and Seb Fontaine I mean it's crazy what's going on but it's it's as exhilarating and uh, and as anarchic as what we were doing before just in a very different way but you did that anyway because I remember when the bungalow ended but Smile left and went to BBC2 with Barney Harwood and Rochelle Humes from the South yeah, yeah. then you guys did Radio 1 mornings am i right on a week yeah on a sunday yeah follow us because as we got older i got into radio one probably about 13 years old so probably as the bungalow ended i was then listening to radio and you guys followed so then surely your career would have then followed us like in that trajectory anyway when you did radio one yeah, I guess so. Well, we were DJing around that time. Yeah, really we were actually, yeah, doing anyway. student nights. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were very much the kind of like quick, we need quick support presenters. So we'll be doing a DJ somewhere in like, let's say Sunderland. Then we'll get a phone call at one o'clock in the morning saying, the early breakfast show presenter can't make it. Can you get shut down to the studio? Yeah, that's all right, yeah. And then we'll actually let you get in a car. Not Sunderland, but I can't remember where it was. Swansea. You're going to have to get in a car and go straight to the Radio 1 studio and do the early breakfast slot. It was a great time. Uh, Radio One. That's when Chris Moyles was doing the breakfast show, and it was um, a very vibrant place to to work. It was great. So, what happened? What happened between you and the BBC? That because you went to Sky, didn't you? After that, yeah, we did uh, a couple of series of Are You Smarter Than a Ten Year Old for Sky One. Yeah, yeah, that was about, about the same time. Yeah, you had you guys doing BBC. You had Anton Depp who had just starting to do evening shows on ITV. What happened with the BBC? Why did you not stay and do those evening shows? Do you know, um, it was, we did a lot of pilots. We did a hell of a lot of pilots. And when there was a uh, channel controller there called Peter Fincham, he was actually really working on us to, to be, and it was, in his own words, he actually said this, to make us the BBC's version of Anton Deck, which is a tough crown to put on your head. But uh, he wanted, he was very clever about it. He, he was looking for a job, well, in his words, a there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Juggernaut of a format that could work without us to put us in as talent. Because he understood that we had an audience and that we had the success of the bungalow. So he was looking for a show in the same way that Anton Deck had Pop Idol, which was a massive great show. And they just finished that format off perfectly. And unfortunately, after doing many pilots for him, and it was all going really well, he had to leave. I think he resigned, didn't he? Because of a trailer that was made up of the Queen looking like she stormed out when she didn't or something like that. So, and unfortunately, when you have a backer like that leave, then the new person who succeeds them has a very different direction. That's probably actually, Johnny, to answer your question really clearly. In this business, one person, this is what we learn over the years, just one person can change your career by a click of the fingers in the good and the bad. And we and, and sadly we have I suppose we haven't found that one person since that era. That one person hasn't kind of reappeared yet. Hopefully. We had one that joined uh that C- CBBC. Oh yeah, yeah, we had stopped doing a lot of CBBC. A new guy came along called Damien Cavan. That's right, yeah. He was a maverick. In fact, he was the guy that commissioned Steve Batchel's show, Deadly 60. Uh he, he commissioned so many good shows for that channel. And he gave us about seven series. Yeah, so that's why we carried on back. One guy, but again, one guy, and he understood the value of our brand and what we could do and he gave us a great show which only lasted one series and then he left and someone else decommissioned it and that show was called hoopla which was like like a bungalow type show like the bungalow versus the slammer but set in a circus tent it was a bit league of gentlemen it was quite dark um but it it could have really gone places um but unfortunately you know he left someone else took over and they have a different vision just the way it is that's TV for you. <laughs> well, it, and obviously, CBBC has gone through so many generations anyway of how shows have changed. You know, my generation was very much into the dramas, and then it changed into the comedy. What do you have? The Queen's Nose. Oh, I love the Queen's Nose. Yeah, yeah, do you remember that? What else, did, what else was on around there? The Round the Twist. Round the Twist. Round the Twist. That, that theme tune I still listen to sometimes. After the Aardvark. Yeah. One of the Econ. <laughs> This is how I spent my Christmas two years ago in lockdown with my sister. We just went on YouTube and we just watched everything. We even went to Home Farm Twins days. Oh, wow. oh my God. Yeah. Twins. Forgot about that. That's really bad hard. 
microscope, big heads, queen's nose, ghost hunter. It was, <laughs> there was like a Rubik's cube and it was a- That's right, the Rubik's cube. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you, are, you are absolutely right. Now this is nostalgia. These are, but these are the glory days because this is, this is, you know, pre-mental health, pre any problems in life, this is all we had. Mm. I used to run home from school, get back for Bodger and Badger at three, I don't know, 3.45, and then I'd just sit and watch it till, uh, till neighbours came on at 5.30. And that's mm, what yeah. we did. We didn't know anything else. No, exactly. Well, you know, these things have, have a lot to answer for, sadly, because we kind of noticed it in the industry. After 2000, when did these come out? 2008, nine. After 2008, nine, when these started appearing, things started going a bit different, if you know what I mean. It opened up a whole world to people, you know, and, and, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think we still know the answer to that yet. No, I don't think we will as well for another 20 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Really well. Out. So, look, let's talk about what you guys are up to now. So, let's talk about the bundle. Mm. Um, it's all over from now to next year. I know that you're in Shepherd's Bush on the 21st of April, which is around the corner from where the bungalow and CBBC were. So, that must be yeah. sentimental to you. Yeah. What can we expect on the tour? Well, we talked about this. We, we, we you know, Rich had the original idea of, of bringing the bungalow back as a UK Fizz tour. And it's tough one because you think, well, what can we do on stage? What are we can do? And then we just talked about it the other day and went, well, we've just got to do the TV show on stage. And that's it. It's got to have the same characters, same music, the same games. It's got to have us. And it's got to have everything so that when you watch it, you have a level of expectation. Well, of course, yeah. contestants won't be kids anymore, will they? They'll be kind of your age group, Johnny. You know, Johnny, Johnny on stage. Yeah, we should get Johnny on stage. Get down to the shippers bush and we'll, we'll get you on stage, Johnny. But yeah, everyone will have a beer probably. You know, it'll be, the audience will be a bit lively. It's going to be interesting. But we're not going to try and uh, change it up on stage too much. Uh, but it'll be a different kind of, you know, combination of things because, yeah, like we say, the contestants will all be 18 plus rather than six-year-olds. So how are you going to feel, right? You come out on stage. Mm -hmm. Out of the lift doors. Yeah, out of the lift doors. Are you going to have the set? Are you going to recreate the set? Uh, Most of it. Recreation, yes. Is, we've got to modify it because we've got to have a big screen in the middle of it. So we're going to have a big screen in the middle of it. And then, then the other bits of the set around it. But yeah, essentially, it will look the same as you remember. So you're going to come out of the lift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the theme's going to start. Wake up, Nick and Don. Get out of bed. How are you going to feel when every single person who's not sung that in 20 years is going to be singing that back to you? That's a good point, actually. That's going to be amazing, isn't it? It's going to be crazy. Absolutely. Because, yeah, that's going to be the audience that watched it are now in their, you know, 18 to 30-year-olds are going to be sitting there doing exactly as you say. The vibe is going to be off yeah, the scale. I, I think as much of people sat there in the audience, because we get asked this all the time, when are you bringing it back? When are you bringing it back? And instead of waiting for a channel controller to bring it back, which probably will never happen, we took it into, you know, our own hands and just went, let's do it. So I think when they're all sat there waiting and hearing theme tune, we're going to be stood in the lift and it's going to be as exciting for us as it is for everyone in the audience. I think that excitement will be shared. It's going to be great. It's going to be, um, I, I saw Coldplay last week and everyone's singing Fictory uh, back to Chris Martin or like with Robbie Williams at the football uh, for Soccer Aid and everyone was singing Angels. I think there's just going to be that moment for us and for you where we all just cry and just like, Oh my God, this is happening. So. It might well happen, Johnny. Might well happen. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be quite an emotional thing. You know, not changing our lives during that show a hell of a lot. We went from jobbing uh, TV presenters to yeah. becoming one of the most talked about people in, in tabloids and broadsheets, on radio, on TV, everywhere. It was, you know, yeah, it was on the for you all the time in the House of the Parliament. It was on, you know, we're in the papers most days. It was a crazy, and then the BAFTAs that followed. It was, for people who were so young, we were young, mid-20s, it was a lot to take on. So, so to revisit that 
in a different and, and also yeah. I suppose yeah, it'll be emotional in the fact that this will be the very last time this time you know that is, this is going to be it this 20 year anniversary tour is it will be the last time this bungalow has ever been is ever going to be seen live again I suppose probably because we're going to collapse on stage it's too hard to handle it we're still trying to leave during live tour R.I.P. that's true because we are a lot we're 20 years older obviously than we were then so it's yeah. going to be a, it's going to be a tough gig but also, it's weird as well because when you were doing the bungalow, you were, you know, effectively, you were in your mid twenties. The audience you were targeting were probably eight, nine year olds because you still played like the fairly old parents. It was still the cartoonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like now, you're t- so at that point, you're like, oh, I'm kind of too grown up to be talking to kids like that. So, like as you grow up, and you're like, well, I can't really talk down to kids anymore because I'm just past it. You know, you can't really enjoy that way of life now because you have grown up. So yeah. this has to kind of be the farewell. Yeah, you can't recreate um, a, a moment in time as well. That moment in time is encapsulated and it, it, it is what it is and was what it was in that time because there was not just what we were doing, but life was different around that time as well. Um, and you can't really try and recreate yeah, so it. So this tour is more like if we want it to be a gathering of like-minded people with the same sense of humour. We're not trying to go, oh, this is going to be the bungalow as you know and remember it. Because it will be in some respects, but it's not going to be exact because you won't be six years old anymore. Mm. You know, it won't be on BBC One. It's going to be us lot in a theatre just having a right laugh, basically. It's always high risk as well to bring back something. It really oh, is. There are few examples of people who brought the shows back the way it's worked. The big has worked. That's worked brilliantly. Um, and TFI Friday, yeah, that, was, that was a big risk because they brought that back. But how do you recreate that movement that was happening in music and entertainment at the time? It was, it was, Britpop was huge. And how do you bring that back when Britpop isn't huge? And But they absolutely smashed it. They did a really good job. I suppose this is more come for a night out with a come for a party with Dick and Dom. You know, it's like a proper night out. Come and reminisce a bit, have a bit of nostalgia for the night. And also with the world we are now, you know, exactly culture and come and be silly for the night. Yeah. It's just forgetting, you know, about this woke world that we're in and just going, let's be silly and just actually enjoy putting your pants on your head and stupid. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, we worry a lot these days, don't we? Well, everyone's probably worried because we're always getting bad news. So we're just going to forget. You're not allowed any news as you come in. No news allowed. Could you imagine a night where you don't look at the news? How amazing would that be? It's interesting what Chris Martin did in the Coldplay gigs. I was like one of them as well. Yeah. And uh, when he did that bit, we said, everyone just get your phones and put them in your pocket. No one's allowed their phones for this next song. Great. Yeah. To put them away. And and everyone that I could see, apart from one idiot, uh, everyone stuck their phones in their pockets and just well, lived that little moment at the time. So the vibe changes totally. It's like when you're on a meal at a restaurant. Everyone goes, okay, come on, let's be sensible. Let's put the phones in the middle of the table and yeah. let's have a conversation. And the vibe just changes, doesn't it? Everyone's enjoying themselves. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, someone's phone, someone's phone, oh, I've got to send that. Oh, yeah. Right. You've just sorted out the next game on the bundle on stage. Plus, everyone get your phone. And send them to us. <laughs> See how tall we can get a big photo yeah. tower and go through everyone's photos. Well, I think it would be really interesting. Like, just having phones in a bag at the door and just trying to just enjoy life again as we used to. Well, look, one thing that we're not enjoying in life at the moment are your energy bills. You've oh man, yeah. Energy. There's a little segue. My energy bills pre-lockdown it was about thirty pound a month. It's gone up to a hundred pound a month. Oh, it's so crazy. Oh my, yeah. Let's it's nuts. What have you found out? 
Well, yeah, we used to, like Dom said earlier, we used to share flats uh, back in the late night, about, about five years, we shared flats together, didn't we? And we used to have a bit of a nightmare then, because, you know, I was the one that was in sp- responsible for the bills. I was the bills boss, I suppose you'd call it. He was in charge. Very organised guy. Dom used to like leaving the heating on. He likes it warm, so he'd like leaving the heating on, and we'd have arguments about it. And the lights on, we used to have loads of things like loads of lava lamps, loads of colour-changing bubble tubes, loads of plasma balls, loads oh, of, oh, of things man. that ran off electricity. So it was like Vegas in our no, house. I remember once the heating was on, I said, turn that off now and stick a jumper on. I made him put a jumper on so we could save money on the heating. To be fair, John, he wasn't working at the time I was. I was doing animal magic and he wasn't. <laughs> he, he was in that awkward stage between CBBC presentation and on Safari on CRTV. Remember the, the, the awkward years. It was so, so, you know, we did that, but we thought now, knowing what we know now, if only back then we'd had like a smart meter. Yeah, I just got one for our family home now, a smart meter, and it's helped me loads because you can see how much you're spending, you know. You can see when you put the tumble dryer on how much it goes up. So maybe use it every other day rather than every day, you know, things like that. It's a, it's a, it's weird. I was listening to Steve Allen on LBC the other day. He was going through every uh, how much everything's going up. And you're right, even like using the fridge freezer goes up by 60p. Every mm. single thing does cost. So what are your tips yep. to save money? Uh, well, uh, I think smart meters is your, your first go-to step because not only can you see how much you are spending, but you can also then look at how much you can be saving. So if you, per month, you know, do everything you can, all the logical things like turning the lights off if you're not using them. Uh, but if you've got one of those separate um, drinks fridges that not many people have, you've got one, just turn it off. Stick your drinks in the main fridge. Um, drying your clothes above the radiator. You can get these really good drying racks that clip onto your radiator where you can just dry everything above it so you don't have to use a tumble dryer. Forget the dishwasher. Hand wash your dishes so much easier and cheaper. So there are, there are loads of different things. Showers. Showers, there's another big one. A shower, you can be in and out in what? two minutes uh whereas running a bath is going to seriously use your gas and electric well that's it and that's why people are now going over to spas to use their showers and uh and baths <laughs> spend longer there um, yeah but that, that's happening but that's now having a catalytic effect on the running costs of, of spas and gyms no, no. they're really struggling then those businesses are going to go bust because of that well they will be because if you think about the amount of people using all that energy at the spas they don't know they're not going to be able to keep up with the cost no, so that, the whole thing's an absolute nightmare so but uh, one of your first protocols should be this uh, but you, if you're if you're renting you should you don't legally have to but you should ask your landlord if it's okay to get one of these smart meters put in the digital displays and then just keep uh, keep an eye on it keep a tally but there is usually one person in that household that will be in charge in our house it was rich there was about four of us living there at one time mm-hmm. And and he was in charge of all of it. He was in charge of the bins. He was in charge of the recycling, uh, paying the landlord on. People life. like me should be celebrated, Johnny. We are the people that keep this country moving. He was a household debt collector, basically. He was collecting our debts. Guys, final question. Where can we go for more information on everything we've discussed in this episode? Yeah, sure. Obviously, talk to your landlord about it or call your energy company. Uh, but there's loads more information on Smart Energy GB's website, smartenergygb.org. If you want any more information about the tour as well, it's myticket.co.uk. You'll get all the new dates that have just been released as well. I love it. Oh, Dick and Dom, I could talk to you forever. A massive thank you. Thank you to Smart Energy for setting up this interview. Thank you to you guys. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Circadian Secure with me, Johnny Seifert. If you like what you heard, please do go and rate the episode, subscribe and share it with all your friends. And if you love CBBC like me, Angelica Bell, Junior Hanson and Kirsten O'Brien have been on previous episodes before. This is Circadian Secure with me, Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.